welcome to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. They get the credit, we ask the questions. This is Credit Hour. Today we speak with USD President Sheila Gestring about the upcoming school year and her priorities entering year two. We're here with Sheila Gestring, 18th president here at USD. Sheila, how's your summer been? Fast. It went really fast. Now, you're in year two um, of your presidency. I'm curious, what's in store for year two? More recruiting, more retention, more access, more affordability messages, um, working on Dakota's Promise, um, working through some of the capital long-term planning with the Health Sciences Building and renovating the fine arts facilities in the Knudsen Theater, Colton Hall, expanding their sculpture areas, um, and continuing to research adding on to the wellness center. You know, obviously, um, leading a university is probably a multifaceted job. That'd be a under or a underestimated way to put it. You know, I'm curious, has there been anything about this role that has surprised you? I think about that one a lot. And I don't think anything really surprises me per se. Um, Maybe the amount of support holistically when you read in the paper about or nationally the sentiment that higher education is somehow not favored the way it used to be in the past. I don't sense that when I talk to people one-on-one. Legislators are supportive. Alumni have nothing but wonderful memories. Students love the university. Faculty and staff love working here. So it's... I don't know if it's surprised is the right word, but hearing the national rhetoric is conflicting with what I hear when I speak with people one-on-one. You know, one thing that you did as you assumed the presidency is you kind of went on a listening tour. Um, you know, what did you hear from that dialogue? Somewhat, somewhat different themes depending on the constituency. Um, external constituencies, they like to hear about what we're doing to keep our costs down. So, um, We've done some things like open educational resources, which is free materials for a course. Um, we really focused in on the high enrolled course. We're going to have about 2,000 students that will be impacted. They won't have to buy a book for that course. Um, we've implemented an online bookstore, um, which in some circumstances, that retailer can save the student two-thirds off the price of what they would have paid when Barnes & Noble was here. We've reorganized the executive structure. We removed some. Those are the kinds of stories I tell when I'm talking to the external constituencies. And then internally, um, concern for competitive pay. I don't think it's about money as much as it's about being compensated similarly to their colleagues or peers in other states. You know, is there a favorite aspect of this new role that you have? I like quite a bit of it, actually. Um, I really like talking to people, talking to the alumni and hearing their stories, talking to students and hearing what what their experience has been like so far, talking to faculty and staff and, you know, understanding their discipline or what brought them here or what's kept them here in certain cases when they've been here a long time. I like talking to donors and fans and I think I just like the people. Um, You know, one thing I've noticed being back on campus, just all of the construction that's occurring, you know, what's the status with the dome renovation? I mean, that's a big one. You always see trucks coming in and out of the dome. I mean, where are we at with it? Is it kind of meeting its schedule? And more importantly, what will fans experience um, at the newly renovated dome that they haven't been able to in years past? Sure. Well, it's a little behind, but not dramatically. I think we'll get caught back up, I would say, at 
a week or two behind is the last I think I heard. But it's not going to impact anything. All the games will be played there this year. And I think fans will start to get a sense of what that's going to be like next year just walking in for the first game this year. You really can see that superstructure taking place and taking shape and where all the seats are going to go and where the suites and the loge suites are going to be. Um the student athletes with the new meeting space, instead of having to go all the way over to the business school to have a room big enough for them to meet as as a team or as a unit, will have their own meeting spaces now. Um, they'll have a training area right there in the dome instead of having to go into the arena for it. They'll have a modern, contemporary, branded locker room. So the student athletes will have a wonderful experience over there. But I think, too, the fans will really get a sense of what that's going to look like just walking in and seeing the raw, raw concrete. You know, another uh, project here on campus is the National Music Museum. You know, again, that's a, a project I think was a long time coming. But, you know, it's amazing when you go down, um, you know, Clark Street right now, the entire facade is kind of torn off. You know, what will that be like, um, you know, when that project is completed? And what will that you know bring to both the campus community and the Vermilion community when it's done? Well, that will be another phenomenal project when it's completed. There will be a recital hall. There will be um, preservation lab space, and people can observe the process of preserving and repairing these these priceless instruments. Um, you know, the National Music Museum is really one of a kind, um, and I think that as we finish this project, we really need to make a connection with all of South Dakota, all of the region, and get people here to see what kind of collection we have. We have priceless instruments. Um, and I think it's huge for the community because of their push for tourism. Um, it also brings the community onto our campus, which it always creates a connection, and that's positive as well. You know, speaking of construction, I think um, another, you know, aspect um, or issue that has been talked about is a new health science building. You know, what is the status of that project and why would a new health science building be important to USD and to the entire state? Well, for one, the, well, where it's at in the process right now, the board of regents are going to ask the governor to support that in her budget request. Um, So that's the next step in the process. Um, I think This building is probably one of the most important buildings to the state of South Dakota right now. Um, We have many of our health science programs in a dated residence hall that was never designed to be a classroom facility. And as we become emerging leaders in telehealth, we need to have the facilities that are appropriate for our students to be taught and trained in telehealth to be able to serve those rural communities as well. No. And what building is that for any of our listeners who may have resided in that? I feel like I was maybe part of the last generation that was actually in Julian Hall. You may have. Yes. Julian and Julian edition, you know, and I should have said this earlier too, but there's actually a business case for tearing down those two facilities and replacing them with a new, with new construction. Um, First of all, we'll be able to reduce our footprint on campus, total square footage and have a more effective building and be able to expand our health sciences programs all by creating a, all by constructing a building that was meant to be a classroom building. So there's a business case and a reason for the legislators and the governor to maybe support this because we're reducing that square footage. We're becoming more efficient. 
you know, I, I think one thing that I've seen a lot in the media um, has just been the university's support of, I think, a new concept here in South Dakota. It's the USD Community College for Sioux Falls. You know, why did USD decide to take the lead in this effort? And maybe what are the goals behind the new community college? I think USD decided to take this on because it was the right thing to do. Uh, we noticed that there were almost 700 students in the Sioux Falls area every year that were not pursuing post-secondary education. Um, of those, over 120 actually took the ACT. So that tells me that they had a desire to go on to post-secondary education because they sat for that ACT. Um, however, they didn't go on. And it could have been for any number of reasons. Um, the community college can provide, or prior to the community college, Southeast Tech is fabulous. They have wonderful technical degrees. Perhaps those students didn't want the technical route. Um, you know, you have Augie and USF there that have wonderful four-year programs. We have four-year programs that we offer even still at the community college for Sioux Falls. But there was never really that opportunity, that gap filler. There was always sort of that missing piece where you can explore where you'd like to pursue your education. And that's what the Associate in General Studies does. And that's why that's a critical piece of the community college. You know, and so who will this community college serve? I mean, we talk about maybe the you know 18-year-old who has just graduated high school, maybe doesn't have a, a clear picture yet of what type of education they want. They know they want further education to advance themselves, you know, both personally and professionally. You know, are there other populations like, you know, can I go finish my degree at the community college in Sioux Falls? How will that work? There will be degree completion programs as well. The way it had been set up in years past, is um, there will still be those options. I think other populations are going to be professionals that want continuing education, um, maybe sharpen some skills. Um, it's called the Workforce Education and Professional Development Center run by Linda Halliburton. She's really going to be providing skills like human resource management or um, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. Another one I think is probably running an efficient meeting or something along that line, but professional development for individuals um, to have right there in Sioux Falls. And then also that unit will do customized training for employers. So we'll re we'll reach that market as well. And then um, Perhaps students from those classes that have graduated that didn't go on to post-secondary education, they're in the workforce, and they want to take a look at education and seek out a degree and that, that more non-traditional age student. I think we can serve just about everyone in the Sioux Falls market. And I think obviously a, a big factor in any decision to pursue higher education is just the cost. And another media report I think that you know might be confusing to South Dakotans, but it, it's certainly worrisome, is just this idea that South Dakota public um, education students graduate with you know far more debt than maybe comparable you know states. Number one, is this a true assertion? And if it is, you know why is it true? And then you know, ultimately, what can we do to bring costs down or make a more affordable educational program? Well, South Dakota sticker price for tuition and fees is incredibly competitive. It is not very, it's not the highest in the nation. However, South Dakota's net price after financial aid, we are among the highest in the nation. And that is because we are one out of 50 states that does not have state needs-based financial aid. 
that's where that debt begins to pile up more for a South Dakota student. I will say, even though the debt for those students is higher, we don't have many that default on their loans. They are able to pay off their loans. I think our default rate might be among the lowest in the country, which is encouraging. Um, but really, we need to focus in on getting Dakota's promise. That'll also be in front of the governor, and we'll be asking for her support for that. That's the state needs-based financial aid package. Um, somewhere in the, round, in the range of $2,500 can make a difference for a student as to whether they can attend or not attend. I don't know if you know the history behind you know, needs-based financial aid programs. Is, is this something that South Dakota used to have and then just cut away with? Or is it something that we've never had and other states have kind of been a little bit quicker to adopt? I mean, where is South Dakota you know, nationally as far as needs-based aid? As far as I know, South Dakota has not had needs-based financial aid. So that would be in at least the 20-plus years I've been paying attention Um and as far as why that hasn't been a priority for our state, it could have been available revenues in the past. Um, you know, but I also think you used to be able to work enough hours to pay the difference between the federal financial aid that was available and the, the net price. It just isn't possible anymore. You know, you obviously talked about default rates, and I think that goes to the type of job that you know graduates can attain. Um, you know, after their undergraduate or professional studies. You know, I think there's a larger conversation, more philosophical, that maybe here at USD we're sensitive to as the you know state's only liberal arts um, you know college. I mean, why is a liberal arts degree important when there's so much emphasis placed on things like STEM, things like technology? You know, why is this degree still relevant? Well, I just actually explained that to the incoming freshmen at Convocation. Technology changes, industries come and go, but if you have a liberal arts degree that has taught you how to learn and how to learn for a lifetime, you'll have the ability to lead and innovate in any industry. So the liberal arts education, in my view, is more relevant now than ever in the past. You know, another, I think, great part about being on a college campus, especially USD, is just the kind of wealth of professional programs. You know, another, I think, report that I've read recently is, you know, speaking of kind of the dr the brain drain problem is, is what it's called. You know, what is USD's role in attracting new people to the state and ultimately, hopefully retaining them, you know, after they complete their professional studies? You know, we do everything we can to connect employers with um, our future graduates through internships. Um, through making connections. A lot of people talk about a new term now called stickiness, creating stickiness, creating some loyalty between that student and perhaps that intern provider. Um, I think the other thing that we do is we recruit students from nearby states to try to build that workforce. Um, and we are able to get about two-thirds of those students to stay in the state of South Dakota and work in the state after they graduate here at USD. Yeah, I know we were entering sort of a new phase at USD. Obviously, we've had you know several leadership transitions, yours included, the last couple of years. Um, but even from sort of a you know thousand foot view, we're entering a new strategic planning phase. You know, what is USD's, I guess, process? Um, you know, for these new strategic plans, why do they matter? Why are they relevant to you know the students who come here, the alumni um, you know, who still support USD? Why do these things matter, and and what can we expect from the next one? 
Well, whenever I think about a strategic plan, I think about an old saying. I can't remember who told me, but the question was, if you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you get there? That's why we have a strategic plan. We lay out our path, we set our sights on a goal, and that's what we focus on. Otherwise, we can be reacting and responding to any little initiative that comes up and never really get anywhere. Um, that process is a little bit different than it has been in the past. It's very inclusive. We are well over 750 people providing input into this process. We are making a point to speak with all of our constituencies, external, including legislators, the governor's office, the board of regents, um, alumni, donors, students, faculty, staff, um, the local community, business leaders. We really want to talk to all of our constituents. And so that, in that way, will be different. And I think we'll still be surprised at how common themes will tend to emerge. And that will help us really chart out that path going forward. And I think we're getting to the end of the podcast here. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to cause any controversy, but I heard you were a contestant in a 4-H um, you know, competition. I'm wondering, you know, just with your role here at USD, like who were the judges? Were any of them employed here? Was there a conflict of interest? How did how did this process work? I was. I was in the all-around competition for okay. showing livestock in the Clay County Fair. Um no. Now, has SDSU heard about this? I mean, I've, are, the, is, are we like encroaching on their territory? Or? Maybe, but you know, I was a farm girl before I realized SDSU was a thing. So, okay. um, no, it was a lot of fun. Although I have to say, I sh I was showing a goat, a sheep, a pig, and a cow, and they let me show the red cow, which was great. <laughs> um, but I am absolutely terrified of pigs so that part of it was very difficult for me <laughs> but there was a four-way tie and the tiebreaker was to switch clothes with one of the other contestants so i ended up third <laughs> you know, I, I think that's one thing that is fun about you know I, I had my own kind of undergraduate days here and i was able fortunate enough to come back and be able to work here and i'm in you know a graduate program you know for someone who hasn't been to the community of vermilion maybe in 10 15 years. I mean, how would you describe all of the changes that have occurred both in the downtown area and, you know, in terms of housing and we've had all these new housing complexes kind of pop up. I mean, where did this energy to kind of do this revitalization in Vermilion, where did it come from and, and why would you encourage people to come visit? I would tell them after 10 years, you would be shocked at how different Vermilion is. The downtown's vibrant. We have, as you mentioned, 700 new beds in this these beautiful new apartment complexes. Uh, there's energy everywhere. You know, I can't pin it on any one thing. But I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the university and the community are working together in all that we do. Um, I'll give Nate Welch a lot of credit there. He is a high energy individual and um, he really believes in, as do I, that the rising tide raises all ships. And I think that's what we're seeing and feeling in Vermilion right now. You know, I have one last question. Um, I heard that you are hosting a tailgating booth this upcoming football season. I guess, where can we find you? And do you have any predictions for the upcoming football season? Um, I am going to host a tailgate this year, and it will be near the practice fields. Yeah. So near the new football practice fields, you will you should be able to find me. Um, and my prediction, 
for football. I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to Coyote Athletics, so I'm going to say playoffs. <laughs> well, we'll try to be on our best behavior if we see you here at Tailgate. Um, but Sheila, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Credit Hour, a weekly thought-provoking conversation with the brightest minds from the University of South Dakota. Listening is 100% of the grades. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Next week, we interview Carrie Oyen, an assistant professor of school psychology here at USD, about National Suicide Awareness Week, September 8th through the 14th. 